This episode of Nomad Athlete Radio is brought to you by Blinkist. Blinkist takes the best key takeaways, the need-to-know information from thousands of nonfiction books, and condenses them down into just 15 minutes that you can read or listen to. Go to Blinkist.com slash Nomeet to try it free for seven days and save 25% off your new subscription. That's B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T dot com slash Nomeet to get started. This episode is also brought to you by Vistro. Vistro is a nationwide 100% plant-based meal delivery service. Visit TryVistro.com. That's T-R-Y-V-E-E-S-T-R-O dot com slash N-M-A to try the six most popular meals for just $49. Hi, this is Hope. This is Kareem. Hi, this is Katie from Washington, D.C., and you're listening to No Meat Athlete Radio. Matt, I did something I haven't done in a while. Okay, what is it? If you happen to be at a big dance club on Saturday night in Charlotte last weekend, you might have seen me breaking it down in the middle of the dance floor. Oh, yeah? At 2.30 in the morning. I've heard that the Charlotte types like to stay out late, go clubbing and all that. Yeah. Whenever they come, in, come to Asheville, they're searching for clubs to, to do. <laughs> really? Yeah. That's what the soccer parents at, at practice talk they talk bad about the, uh, you know. The club the, scene? The, yeah, the young people who come here and they think, they think fancy dressing is the same as club dressing and <laughs> <laughs> all that. Well, there was, we were staying at a hotel. Katie and I had a little weekend getaway. And uh-huh. uh, we were staying at a hotel downtown, and um, we were staying next to uh, this place called the Epicenter, which I don't know if you're familiar with Charlotte at all. I wasn't, yeah. but it's you know it's kind of this like one square block complex that had uh, a bunch of like you know not so good restaurants and bars and stuff, you know Irish pubs and stuff like that uh, during the day. And when we had when we were walking back from um dinner and then drinks out at a jazz club we were walking back and we walked past this and it at night it had turned into this like thousands of people wow like every club had hundreds and hundreds of people in it dancing it was quite the scene so we just kind of wandered around and ended up getting sucked in and had a great time wow i don't know i've ever been to a club like where you just dance really no maybe i don't choose to go to them but like, yeah, I don't think I've, ever, I've never been at a thing where like, I mean, when I was like 18 in high school and even you couldn't even drink then, that's what kids would do. But like, yeah. Were you like the oldest person there? No, no. Yeah. I think that, I think there were a lot of actually like, I mean, there were definitely a lot of 20 somethings mm-hmm. um, and like college kids probably, but there were a ton of bachelor parties and wedding parties and things like that. Um, and then quite a few, I don't know, quite a few 30 something. I mean, I, I like, I think that like the, if you're single and 30 and want to go out dancing, like this is probably where you go. I mean, maybe somebody from Charlotte's going to roll their eyes at me for saying that, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but I, I don't know. It was, I mean, like if that's your scene, which typically would not be my scene, but we had, we had an absolute blast. You know, it's the yeah. kind of place that like they carry around a tray of jello shots right. to give out and yep. stuff, you know, stuff like that. Um, wow. Yeah. Were they in test tubes? Like those kind of shots? They there was uh one place we went did have did have the test tube shots too, yeah. The jello uh-huh. shots were not in test tubes, but Right. That wouldn't work. Yeah. <laughs> that, that would be difficult. Um, oh. but but yeah, no, it was fun. It was and and we, you know, it was a great weekend cuz we got to eat at a, at several different vegan restaurants and and 
you know, I think you might have mentioned this one time, and I realized that I kind of feel the same way as if I have the option of going to, like, you know, your kind of standard vegan, like, lunch spot. And it doesn't necessarily, like, as good as some sort of non-vegan restaurant that specializes in, a, I don't know, Indian food, for example, or something. And then you can get some yeah. some sort of vegan fare. Um, so, you know, I found that I, I tend to not necessarily seek out vegan spots. But um, we happened to find a couple in one of the neighborhoods we were in, and I had lunch at this awesome place and then dinner at another one that reminded me a lot of plant. It was kind of high-end mm-hmm. vegan fare. And it was, I mean, it was fantastic. It was a great, great little weekend. That is very cool. Good for you guys. Yeah. Nice job getting some time with, uh, with for the couple, for the relationship. There you it's go. It's very good. Um, <laughs> I agree with you about the vegan restaurant thing. I mean, I, I like vegan restaurants when they're really good. Like when it's a, you know, one that you are seeking out, that's, that's a good thing. Uh, I, when we're traveling now with the kids, we tend to go to vegan restaurants, like whatever, we just use Happy Cow and find things because yeah. with the kids, like they're just not going to be so flexible as to find the one thing you can get off a menu or the one thing you can make vegan off of a menu at a fancy place that mm-hmm. is the Indian or Italian or whatever. But uh, yeah, if it's just me or just me and Aaron, then that's, uh, that is by far my preference is the, the regular restaurant pick off something, make, make your own vegan thing out of what they can do. Yeah. But yeah. vegan restaurants are good, and so are vegan cookbooks. But I also really like non-vegan cookbooks, just <laughs> veganizing them. Yeah, no, um, but I don't know. I, there is nothing nothing sweeter than going into a restaurant and knowing you can order anything off the of menu. Uh, speaking of vegan options out, mm-hmm. I when you were going clubbing in Charlotte last weekend, I may have been in Dave and Buster's uh, in Atlanta. <laughs> <laughs> oh uh, man, I haven't been to Dave and Buster's yeah, in a long time. Well, it wasn't, it wasn't at 2.30 in the morning, but it was probably around 7 p.m. But uh, so as I mentioned a couple episodes ago, Holden and I have been driving to Atlanta every Friday for he's in Atlanta United's program down there, and we do this long drive and trying to make it fun so it's not – he loves it, but, like, I'm always worried about burnout, and I don't want him to get burnt out of soccer even though we're doing all this driving. So I'm trying to find fun activities we can do, and Dave and Busters was the one this time. But uh, so before I get to the vegan part of this – they, I did, have you ever done virtual reality, like, nowadays? No, I haven't. So I, I had, I guess, done it back in the maybe late 90s when it was right. it was just nothing. It was barely anything. But there were some arcades who had it. Mm-hmm. But we did this Jurassic Park one at Dave & Buster's, and it was like $6 each for a three-minute kind of ride on it. It, wasn't, it, was, it was a game, but it was sort of a ride. Uh, it was really, really neat, though. I was, I was so impressed with... You put these goggles on, you, it covers your ears with the headphone piece, and you kind of forget that you're sitting in Dave & Buster's, you know, among all wow. these people. It, it was crazy. Like, you would just, the, 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 for me, the most impressive part, and this is probably pretty simple to do now, is you turn your head, you turn your head, you look up, you look behind you, and, you know, your your whole visual field just, just moves as if you were in a regular world, and... Mm. It's like seamless. I mean, it's just it's just amazing that that it can happen. And I, I like I said, I don't think it's that great technology now. I think it seems like pretty straightforward uh, these days. But I was just I was starting to think like, man, like you could you could travel to other cities, and I'm sure there's virtual reality that has models of of lots of world cities, uh, or like ancient. You can go back and do what historians say ancient Egypt was like, or ancient any culture, and like you could walk around and be in that culture. I, I mean, I was just so impressed at how cool it was. The the dinosaurs thing was totally different, and obviously you can do that fun stuff too. 
but uh, it was really neat. I, I after that, I'm, I'm like I'm a VR fan now. I want to get VR gaming <laughs> systems. <laughs> <laughs> wow. All right. But anyway, three we, little we, minutes of Dave and Buster's in here. Uh, really, I know. But then we uh, we, should, we, we should do VR. You people can VR experience our podcast recordings. I mean, that could be done. You could we could you, if we if that was what we wanted, we could have someone sit in this room. I'm sure there's streaming options. You can stream your VR environment and people can be in it. <laughs> it's so weird. I mean, it really is weird. Yeah. But anyway, uh, so then we had to eat dinner, and I didn't know we were going to find to eat, but it turns out they have an Impossible Burger. So, really? Yeah, not an Impossible Whopper, but an Impossible Burger, which I think is the old, <laughs> the one that original that bleeds and everyone was all hyped up uh-huh. about, which I never actually had, had have not had that. Um but it turned out when we ordered it, they said it is no longer the Impossible Burger, even though the menu says that it is now the Plant Burger, and that's like a same thing. But <laughs> so we had plant that, burger? and I was, uh, I mean, I think Plant is the brand, Plant Burger, maybe. Hmm. That's their, at least this is what the waitress said. I don't know if she was right, but it was a vegan burger, and it tasted just like every other good vegan burger does, and it was fine. But I was, I was again, just it's just taking over the world these these vegan options at places, and I'm I'm so impressed by that. Wow, I never would have guessed Dave and Buster's. No, really. <laughs> so that's that. That's, that's, just, that. that's what I got. Yep, that's all I got too. <laughs> okay, except well, for you know, I don't know. Uh, I was gonna call you up last night to, um, <laughs> yeah, good episode. Wrap it up here. Um, no, I was gonna call you up last night to see if you wanted to watch the Nats game, but then I didn't want you to ruin it for us. Mm. Are they still in? Or are they living? Yeah, in? we won in the tenth. Okay, good. Um, so we're in. We're that's uh, in onto the championship series. Oh, good. Okay, so we will get at least four more games. Yeah. Okay, we'll have to make that happen. Definitely. Good. All right. Well, um, I guess on to real topics, Doug. I guess sort so. of sort of related to uh, what we've been talking about recently. Here, just loosely. Um, <laughs> I was I was scrolling through No Meat Athlete archives, which I sometimes do. Just like to go look at the old posts, look at. <laughs> past glory just... and say man those are the good old days <laughs> uh and i found this email i found this blog post that was based on an email someone wrote to me so i'm gonna read the email to you and it has to do with habits and uh you know mindset type things which I, these days i like that topic so mm-hmm. the email says from a woman named lenita and she said i'm four weeks into the marathon roadmap training i felt the need to tell someone but prefer- preferably someone who has no vested interest in my life in case it turns out to be an epic bust smiley face I ran my first and only half marathon August of last year. I've been running regularly since, but haven't had anything to train for until now, and my running, even though enjoyable, has been stagnant. So I decided I needed a goal, and if you're going to set one, set one big, right? Or set one big, right? So that's, you know, I was all into that stuff back then, talking about big goals, so she was listening. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought the half marathon would suffice, but apparently I was mistaken. Something inside me desired to do so much more. I've set my sights on running a full 26.2 miles. I haven't had meat in four weeks, and I'm continually trying to clean up my diet. I feel the foods I eat affect me posi- positively, I guess, even more than the typical person. So we'll keep this on the down low for now, you know, in case of that epic failure thing. However, if these crazy joints carry me 26.2 miles across a marathon finish line, you'll be one of the first to know. So that was her email, which she wrote to me, I guess, just wanting to be nice. And I uh, I made a blog post out of it. I <laughs> made her an example and said, <laughs> and said this is good. Um, but I really don't like this, this idea that, you know, we have this kind of secret thing we're going to do and just in case we fail, we're not going to tell anybody about it because that would be embarrassing. 
And one day we're going to go do this thing and then we're going to surprise everybody and we'll have the last laugh. So first of all, Doug, what do you think about that idea? About not telling everybody? Yeah. I mean, public accountability, that's, that's, that's the big question here. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seemed, you know, for, I'd say like in the eighties and nineties, it kind of became all the rage it was like, it just, as the personal development movement kind of exploded, everyone was all about yeah, big, massive declarations of what you were going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, well, so I think, I think that that it can be really good, right? I mean, I think that having people to hold you accountable is, uh, is important and it can be really powerful if you're, if you're worried about not succeeding or, or not following through with whatever you're setting out to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's support, you know, just like both holding you, holding you accountable and like, you know, if people are firing you up because they're all excited for you, it makes you more excited for the goal. The problem, I think one of the problems that we face these days is that it's just so easy to post something on social media. You post something on Facebook, you say, I'm training for a marathon or I'm going to lose 50 pounds or I'm going to quit smoking. Um, and you get a ton of praise and you get really feel really good about yourself and you start. And then a couple of days later, you stop because you already kind of feel like you achieved it because you got all the praise for it. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then you're no longer motivated and no one really cares because we're in bite-sized news feed world and, um, and they've, they've forgotten about it. You know, maybe somebody will ask you about it when you see them a couple months later or something like that. And you can be like, yeah, well, you know, I got injured. Right. And that was, yeah. They're like, okay. <laughs> you know, but no one's actually like holding you accountable. When, and, and so that's kind of the easy way to announce something to somebody um, these days. And I think that that is not super effective. Mm-hmm. There are, however, probably much more effective ways to, to kind of gain accountability and get your friends and, and family involved. Yes. So we must have talked Which about Which I can this go before. into. <laughs> I don't think you need to. I mean, we'll get into there. But we've obviously talked about this before because you're you're bringing up the i think what is the prime objection uh and it's that there there was apparently a, a study that was done on this idea in the 1930s i think maybe it was the 20s but 20s 30s and they you know they studied and said is this true did, did these public declarations of what you're going to do actually help and it turned out that that declaring your goals in this public fashion uh actually made you less likely to mm. achieve them and I don't know a lot of the details of the study. I think this was a Derek Sivers TED Talk. Derek Sivers, the founder of CD Baby, uh, used to be kind of a big blogging guy. I don't know if he still is. CD Baby? CD Baby was like an early, it was a, a late 90s internet boom, dot com boom company. Hmm. Yeah. He was like a musician and just kind of started this thing for himself, this idea, way of distributing your music and took off and became an online platform. And who knows who eventually acquired it. But mm-hmm. anyway. Um, and yeah, so that was the thing. His, he, his, his contrarian TED Talk was, you know, don't listen to this thing because there's a study in the 1930s that shows that it actually doesn't work, that it's wrong. And it's thought to be wrong because of what you just said, that you actually get some bit, there's this tension in you that says, I need to go make this change, do this big thing. There's something in driving that, uh, a lot of it having to do with what people think of you, probably. Um and then as soon as you as soon as you do this thing and you say I'm going to lose all this weight or I'm going to run this marathon or do whatever, uh, you get all of this praise as you said, and that that scratches that itch and that relieves this pressure or tension that you've suddenly felt this drastic need to change because it in some ways feels like you did it when you got all this praise for even just committing to it. Um, 
And that's that is the problem. You're right, actually, though, that like these days, it's also very easy to to for people to forget about it. Like you can make a declaration mm-hmm. like that, never talk about it again, and probably no one will ever call you on it. I mean, they might, but it won't be many. It's not like your whole Facebook friends are all going to come texting you and saying, "Hey, what what happened to that right. thing you said a week right. ago?" They just forget. They move on. People probably barely saw your thing anyway. Mm-hmm. So that's an added challenge these days. Um, but I think it does prove the point even more that that that's not really enough right the the public declaration I, I don't know even 1930s when there was no facebook uh whatever they were studying wasn't enough just to say you're going to do something but what we've always said over the years is that when you say you're going to do something that's one thing when you actually like start setting up accountability for yourself like you say you're going to do things and you also get a bunch of friends or family members to also check in on your you know, Google spreadsheet that you're going to log every single meal or every single workout mm-hmm. on. Uh, yeah. And especially what you people who you really respect um, <clears throat> and you don't want to look silly in front of and people who you, you know, who, who like you enough or care enough about you that they actually will check in on it and keep up and be good partners right. in this. Um, I, I don't know. I have seen obviously no studies about what happens when you do that, but <laughs> <laughs> for sure to me, I mean, that just, it sort of matches all the principles we talk about with habit change and, goals so i i would assume that that way works and that's that's what i would do or recommend anyone who does want to do something big um yeah which is sorry i mean it's quite the opposite of not telling anyone right right whereas just posting on facebook to everyone one time that you're going to do this thing that's not really the opposite that's that's just that's going halfway the the real opposite is creating all this built-in accountability that happens over time yeah and uh, and i mean you know one way to to do that oh there's Something going on across the street. Uh-oh. Ambulances and... Uh-oh. It's no good. Um, you know, one thing, one, you know, one way to kind of, to do that without, you know, or, or without involving all your friends, I guess, or, or without ma- forcing people into your goal, into, into being excited about your goal, is um, is to surround yourself with people who have the same goal. So, so maybe there's... Um, you know, maybe you can find a running group or uh, no, the November project or 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 something that uh, some sort of training group that where other people are doing the exact same thing, and so they're holding you accountable because they're relying on you to hold them accountable, and it's kind of this like team effort type mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. Um, and then you and then you don't have to worry about you know some random friend who who maybe was excited in the beginning and then just doesn't really care. Right. Right. So anyway. Um... I don't agree with the Derek Sivers idea. I think the title of that TED Talk was something about if you want to succeed, keep your goals a secret or something, which I don't think is the correct takeaway from that study. I think this, the answer is if you want to succeed, do a whole lot more in terms of public declaration, public accountability than just you know one time saying something. Uh, so I'm, I'm still a huge fan of that idea. What I want to talk about more today, I mean, that's, that's certainly an example, but what I when I wrote this blog post, when I put this email up, uh, and wrote about it, the, the title of the post, well, the title of the post was How Most People Fail Before They Even Start, which is something we've talked about as well recently when we talked about how one of the reasons people aren't doing what they want to do is because they're not starting. There is, there's this fear about starting. You feel like it needs to be perfect or whatever. Uh, but anyway, the point of this post became an excuse for me to use the old personal development cliche, uh, if you want to take the island, burn the boats. And that is one that just gets thrown around everywhere in business books and personal development things. And... I didn't. I I knew it was from some you know legendary or apocryphal kind of instance where a, a ship, a navy 
you know, there was an, uh, people wanted to take an island, take a take something, and they got there. Apparently, the captain or the general or whatever did this crazy thing, and when they all got there, he ordered that the ships all be burned so that there was no retreating whatsoever. And if these people then wanted to survive, if the soldiers who were there to take the land wanted to survive, they would have to win in this fight. So I looked it up, and actually it, the, the story is that it is was Hernan Cortez landing in Veracruz, uh, which you should be familiar with, Doug, right, as a, as a scholar of Mexican things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, happened in 1519, and I don't know. Who knows if it actually happened, but that's the story that had that, that happened. And I don't even know if they won the battle or not. You, you have to imagine they did, otherwise it probably wouldn't have been a good. <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't have survived this lesson. Or I mean, you know, or they could. Everyone blames them for losing the battle because they couldn't retreat. Could be that too, but then people um, wouldn't be recommending that. So I don't. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> so it became it became a, a war cry for for people who wanted to uh, you know go outsell the competition, become the top realtor in town, and uh, that's that's what I'm I wonder about. When I wrote this blog post, and this was 2010, 2011, probably, I was all gung-ho on this. I thought, I mean, I just thought, I don't know, I was young, didn't have kids yet, maybe had maybe had a newborn at that point, perhaps, when I wrote this, but wasn't in the mindset of being a, a parent where, you know, it's, it's not about you anymore, it's kind of about other people. And I just thought this was the best thing ever. And I thought, this is why I qualified for the Boston Marathon, because I told so many people all the time, uh, just, you know, wrote declarations to myself and to other people, invited people to come watch the races, told them I was going to pro- qualify this next race, even though I didn't many times. Um, and I just I just became convinced that I left myself no option to not do this. That I just, it was just like all my friends, everyone knew about me, that this was my journey. This was my thing I was on, more so than becoming vegetarian at that point. Uh it's it just my identity was wrapped up in this Boston thing, and I thought that's why I did it because I left no other option. And then when I when I you know quit grad school to do nomad athlete, to me that was kind of the same thing. It was saying I'm not going to have a backup plan because if I have a nice comfortable job offer instead or a job, um, it's just going to be too easy to to just stick with that and not not go do the hard thing. So I'd rather have no good backup plan. So I, I was all gung-ho, like thought this was, was everything. Nowadays, I don't find myself thinking that way very much anymore. Uh, partly that just from comes from getting older, wiser, more risk-averse. Uh, but I think it's also with kids. Like I just, I don't know, that just hasn't been part of my mindset anymore because I don't want to have no backup plan for, you know, the family. And there are probably still some ways where I do have that situation. But mm-hmm. it's it's much, much less than when I was younger and just thought, you know. There's bigger risk in it. Yeah, and it's not about me, right? I can handle my own suffering as a result of of me being mm-hmm. stupid and going for something that turned out to be impossible or not not for <laughs> me to complete. Uh, but yeah, just I just you know, and this is not unique to me. I think a lot of parents are this way. You can handle your own suffering. You're willing to do whatever, take whatever risk for yourself. But once you have children involved or or a significant other involved, uh, it's different. Then some in many ways, their their needs are more important than yours, and. The, you know, some, sometimes this, uh, these risks that may have made sense before for you don't for the family. So I don't have really specific examples where I find myself choosing not to burn the boats anymore, but I just know I just don't really think about that anymore. And to me, it, it just seems like, uh, you know, could be the right decision sometimes, but oftentimes, you know, backup plans exist for a reason. There's a good thing about having backup plans in case the, the one long shot doesn't work, uh, which most of the time it doesn't. So anyway, um, 
and, and this this ties really closely into the whole habit change thing, right? That like, should you should you just take the massive action and go for it, which is kind of the burning the boats in many ways, uh, or should you take this kind of more measured approach where over time you gradually make changes and you don't stress your willpower too much and you don't let that dramatic failure happen? Um, that's very very different from you know cutting yourself off from any other backup plan, making it so that you absolutely have to succeed. And so then even if your task or goal is impossible, you have no other option. So you're going to find a way to do it. I, you know, it's just so different. So I find myself thinking way less about less and less that kind of Tony Robbins, like go get it attitude and more uh, slower approach now. But I, there are times when I still do kind of get lit up by that idea of like, just kind of putting my head down and going for something. So anyway, uh, I don't know. I mean, Doug, what do, what do you think about this burning the boats? I mean, is it is is this something you you use these days when you're, I don't know, when you're setting a new hundred mile goal, whether mm-hmm. it's just running one or making a time, I mean, setting a time goal. Uh, do you you do much of this, or is it do you more keep it to yourself and sort of just you know go just get those kind of slow gradual improvements that come from training day in day and out day in day out. Uh, or, or, I mean, or would you, is it conceivable that you would next time say, I'm going to break 24 hours in this whatever race, or I'm going to break 30 hours in this, and I'm telling everyone I possibly can because I'm going to leave myself no other option. Yeah. Well, I mean, so it's it's hard to answer that because it's been a while since I've had like an ambitious goal where I wasn't at least fairly certain that I could get through it no matter what, you know, like worst case walk it in kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been a while since I've had a, a goal where it was all or nothing. Right. Um, and, but aren't, I, wait, aren't, aren't most hundred milers that? Cause if you, if you quit, that's, that's well, sure. nothing. <laughs> well, sure. But you know, but I guess like, I mean, maybe this is just uh me being cocky or naive. Um, but you know, I've, I've yet to quit a hundred miler. Um, even when it's really bad, even even when I wanted to. So, you know, going, starting, approaching the starting line, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm fairly confident, not a hundred percent confident, of course, never Mm -hmm. can be, you know, but, but I'm sure enough of myself that I can, I can finish it. It might be super ugly and it might be right before the cutoff. Um, you know, but, but I, that I think I can finish it, which is a lot different than like trying to chase a really specific time goal or, qualify for something or you know win or something like that um you know but i there are there are two two situations that i have coming up in the next year where i think that that will change a little bit and the first is you know i'm going i'm it sounds like i'm going back to hellbender again for the third year in a row Mm. um and this year i i am absolutely going to have a time goal that is a little bit ambitious and um we're going to require quite a bit more training and a lot more race planning than last year, which where the only goal really was to not hate myself at the end of it. Right. Um, and so that, you know, that, and in that kind of situation, I'm going to, I mean, I won't say it's burn the bridge and go home or go big or go home, burn the boats. <laughs> um, you know, I, I can't say that it's quite that because I can still finish it like, or, you know, it's not an all or nothing it's not completely all or nothing. But if you um, were to make it that way, right? That's the thing. Like, if you really want that goal, 
uh-huh. you, if you were trying to do this burn the boats idea, you would make it so that not getting that goal is failure, right? So you tell everyone yeah, right, and right. yourself that if I don't do this, then uh-huh. I may as well not have run or not have finished because it's, uh-huh. I, you know, I don't want those other options. Those backup plan, the backup plan of finishing more slowly mm-hmm. than I wanted to, you don't want that to be a plan. Yeah. And it sounds like that's not at all, not at all your mindset, not even in the realm of possibility. Well, you know, maybe it should be, you know, maybe it should be. I don't know. Yeah. I I don't like it has, it has this place, right? There's this power in that idea. Totally. Yeah. So that's why it's popular. But, and, and you know what? All right. So I'm, I'm taking this back a little bit because I hadn't actually put this in this, you know, next year's hellbender into context of this context before. But, you know, I'm taking it back a little bit because I finished twice. I don't need to finish again, right? right. I don't need just another finish. And if I don't hit that time goal that I'm, that I'm chasing, um, then you know, it's a whole will, waste. Then it's a waste of the whole training cycle. It kind of is. <laughs> right. I mean, that's what I'm saying. That's, that would need to be your mindset. Uh-huh. And, if, yeah. and if it is, then good for you. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. It's tricky. It's tricky. Yeah. So, I, so I do well, have... Okay. Let's, let's say it actually was that in your mind. Mm-hmm. And you were gung ho on this whole idea, and you wanted to you wanted to really make put this to work for you. I mean, I guess having it in your mind is for many people that's enough. But I think I think what what you would then do is start telling everyone, basically doing whatever it takes to make it truly feel like a failure if you don't do it, right? And mm-hmm. and then your whole that's that's what you're telling it. You start you start a website called whatever your time goal is at Hellbender 2020. <laughs> that's your URL and that's your blog, and it's. And, I mean that's a whole bunch of more effort, but you know you're you're making this yeah. thing that that tells everyone, look, I'm gonna be embarrassed, and I should be, and I hope you'll make me embarrassed if I don't do this thing because that's what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Well, I mean, maybe maybe that's what I should do. You know, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> there's there's an audience here that can hold me accountable, and um, maybe. And as we get closer, I, I will reveal the time that I have in my head. But I don't think I'm ready to do that quite yet. But you know, maybe <laughs> I think you know. I think that's uh, we're gonna do this human experience, experiment here. <laughs> okay. We'll check back in in uh, five months when after I run the race. Um, <laughs> we'll check back in after you run. Yeah. You're not gonna, you're not gonna commit to your time goal here. In case oh no 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 no. It? We we can talk about it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. But a- after five months after the race, uh, we'll check in, see if I got okay. it or not, and see if I thought that I helped. Okay. That okay. I that I committed publicly okay. to it. Um. And burn burn the boats. Now, I mean, it's just it's a it's such a scary thing to 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 do that, which yeah. is the is the power in it. Yeah, right. I think I don't know. I, like a lot of things, I think when you have a lot less to lose, it's it's easier to do that thing, and it works great then. Mm-hmm. Uh, once you have a family, and I mean, family is my whole lot to lose. Uh, nice business, nice nice setup. That that's stuff to lose. And when I was when I was starting this out, like I didn't have that stuff. It just it was me trying to figure out what I was going to do with my life. And mm-hmm. it, I'm I'm thinking now in terms of work, but like there was there was also the race. I, I don't know. It just it it was it was easy to just go for things. And I haven't felt I haven't felt that drive in a long long time. And I kind of miss it. I kind of miss that feeling of like being so passionate about one aim that mm-hmm. you are willing to make it. You know, if anything but achieving that aim is is complete failure. I don't know. I just, I just, just don't have that mindset anymore. I haven't had that in a long time. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that the the risk in the mindset that you currently seem to have, which is um, that it's it's no longer can be about me and, and there's too much to lose for my family. The risk in that mindset is that you never end up actually doing anything big, right? That, yeah, right. Um, 
that you just you keep you use kind of your family as an excuse, um, mm-hmm. and you never end up actually pulling the trigger and going after something big. You know, whether that's moving to another country, uprooting your family, or starting a business or new job or, or whatever, because the risks are higher, there's more to lose. Um, you never end up taking the chance, and then yep. you end up never actually doing anything. Yep. That's right. And then, like and the frog in boiling water, right? That old non-vegan thing? <laughs> That's right. And then you're, um, you know, and then you're 55 and buying a Miata and right. trying to, to reinvent your life through sports cars. And Although fair. these days it's more like that's 100, 105 is the new uh, midlife. <laughs> so what it's looking like, looking like, like 150 is going to be the likely time for all of us. This generation, anyway. On that note, Doug, I think we should thank our sponsors. <laughs> All right. This episode of No Media Athlete Radio is brought to you by Blinkist. Matt, have you heard about my new app? I know, I know you have because we've talked about it for the past couple of weeks. Of course I have. Uh, Blinkist, yeah. As you know, I have a busy life. we got a lot of things going on, which means I don't get to do a lot of reading. But that's where Blinkist comes in, and it has totally revolutionized my reading list. Blinkist takes the key takeaways, the need-to-know information from thousands of nonfiction books and condenses them, condenses them down to just 15 minutes that you can read or listen to. Eight million people are already using Blinkist, and right now it has a massive and growing library from self-help, business, health, and history books. Matt, uh, my most recent, or my next book to, to, that I'm planning to read today, I was looking through the, the list uh, this morning to see what I was going to listen to on my run today and i'm going by surrounded by idiots by thomas eckerson erickson interesting <laughs> yeah <laughs> have you heard of this one it helps you it's no, it's designed like i think it's it, it explores the four personality types uh and provides methods and tips for how to communicate with those people i think it's uh, like kind of business huh. self-helpy book but i don't know that's all i know about it but you know the that's the good beautiful thing about blinkus is because it's only you know 15 minutes you can kind of explore a book that you might not have explored before or might not have been at the top of your list that's um, right and if you made this uh, habit like i mean even if that yeah, like you said if that wasn't at the top of your list but it's sort of your habit is to listen to these books and you know one a week couple a week you're you're plowing through a lot of information and learning a lot of uh a lot of useful things. In fact, I was just talking to my mom the other day. Actually, yesterday, she drove down to visit and uh, listened to a book, and she said it was good, but it was nine hours, and I felt like I could have gotten the gist of it in in an hour or two. And there you I go. Said, yeah, I mean, non nonfiction books, like really, the first two chapters of nonfiction books are are often very good, and then the rest is is okay, but it, you just don't need it. So I I love the idea. With Blinkist, you get unlimited access to read or listen to the massive library of condensed nonfiction books. All the books you want at a very low price. Right now, for a limited time, Blinkist has a special offer for the Nomad Athlete audience. Go to Blinkist.com slash Nomeat to try, to try it free for seven days and save 25% on your new subscription. That's B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T dot com slash Nomeat to start your seven-day trial. This episode is also brought to you by Vistro. Vistro is a nationwide 100% plant-based meal delivery service. In fact, Vistro is the number one plant-based meal delivery service in America. They're quick and easy. There's no prep work, chopping, or cleaning involved. All Vitro's meals can be heated and served so you can enjoy a hot, healthy, and delicious meal whenever you're hungry, and they actually work. That's what I love. They work when you cook them in pots and pans even, or the microwave. They actually work like the instructions say they will. Uh, they don't come out burnt or cardboardy or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Vitro meals have no added preservatives. They use organic ingredients, and they are fresh frozen for maximum taste and nutrition. 
They'll keep in the freezer for up to 10 weeks, and since they only serve plant-based meal, you know they're going to be really good at it with satisfying meals like country fried chicken, Tuscan calzones, enchilada casserole, red curry, and lots, lots more. Matt, Vistra has been the hot topic one in our Pulse community. Have they? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, somebody asked if they if anybody had tried it, you know, because they'd heard about it on the podcast, and mm-hmm. a lot of people chimed in. Apparently, it's like a well-known thing. I'd never heard of Vistra before until uh, we inter- we were introduced to them a couple months ago. Um, and uh-huh. uh, but yeah, a lot of people are really into it, and they all all the reviews were like what definitely the, do it. Do you know what the crowd favorite meal was? I don't pasta bolognese. I, that's my favorite. That was your favorite. I love I think, that one. Uh, yep. Yeah, that one was really good. I, I liked the uh, the breakfast burrito. It was really quite yes, tasty. Also delicious. Um, yeah, and the, so the, people were asking if it was single serve meals, and they are single serve meals. But I'm sure you can order multiples of the same meal if you want to have one for your whole family so great to have in the freezer for when you need it uh and we plowed through them that's for sure there you go vistra offers free shipping on all orders and right now you can try the six most popular vistra meals for just 49 dollars. visit tryvistro.com slash nma that's t-r-y-v-e-e-s-t-r-o.com slash nma no commitment you can pause or cancel anytime but you can only get that 49 dollars deal at tryvistro.com slash nma all right, Matt. So I have a a goal. I have a, I'm in a situation now where I have this big, massive goal that, like, maybe one of the biggest running goals I've ever had. Okay. Um, and there's a big part of me that wants to not tell anybody, train for it, do it, and then just like have it done. You know, <laughs> like, like may, yeah. maybe you know, maybe share it afterwards or something like that. But like. Not make a big deal out of it. Not make myself not have too much ego going into it because I haven't, you know, I haven't like built it up for months on the podcast and all that stuff. Um, You know, but to actually just do it for me and do it, and then if I share about it later, I can, or maybe just a few people find out about it because they know that I've been gone for a few days to do it, and and that's that. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that's really interesting because I think. that doesn't sound to me like you're not telling anyone about it because you're secretly afraid that you will fail or even mm-hmm. not so secretly, you're just afraid you'll fail and you don't want people to know in case you do, which I think is the reason most people don't tell people. When we talk about doing things that are in kind of secret and you're going to come out and shock right. the world with what you're able to do, I think usually that's that's a form of just hiding and kind of being afraid. Uh, it doesn't sound to me like that is your reason for it. And I think, I don't know, perhaps you can get to a place when you've done enough of that kind of thing that... You can actually get to a point where you you find much more motivation from inside, as you know, kind of cheesy as that sounds. You just find this internal drive to do something, and and maybe having other people involved actually takes away from some of that. It becomes not really your thing anymore, and right. it's like just this big thing that everyone knows about. So I kind of get that. The part I would still question, and I didn't think about this during this episode until you said this, but I remember specifically during that Boston qualifying race that I did, where I got to mile twenty two. And I wrote a whole blog post about this whole race recap. Uh, and I remember feeling like I was just, I was done. It was this very familiar feeling that I'd had in every other time I tried to qualify where things are going well. And then suddenly over the course of a mile, they're not going well at all anymore. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I was like, I know the ending to this. Like, this is where I keep grasping that I'm going to hang on to it. And it sort of just goes away. And it just keeps getting a little bit more appealing to slow down. And then it wouldn't hurt so much. Uh, and like, it was the exact situation. And 
then I felt this feeling of like, oh my God, I can't do that. Like I have made such a big deal about this Boston thing. It was all the blog was about for the first six months. It was me trying to qualify for Boston on a, now my new vegetarian diet. And the blog was different then. It was more personal. There was 100 comments on the good posts. It was like this thing where it felt like people were watching me. Mm-hmm. And and I remember thinking, like, I have to keep going because of that. I, like, this is different from all the other times when I've tried to do this and I start hurting at mile 20 or 22 and then I start slowing down because that's a heck of a lot easier than going faster uh, or, or maintaining the pace. And this time it, it hurt more to stop because it was like, I can't like if I did that, I'm going to just suddenly look like an idiot in front of all these people. (laughs) And that's a huge part of the reason why, why I did it that time, maybe Uh more than anything else. I don't know. Um, I don't know if your goal has that, but I know from the ultras that I have done, not so much the hundred, but the 50 milers that I did uh, 35, 40 miles in, I really, really wanted to quit. And Uh I wouldn't just because I didn't want to, I just didn't have to deal with telling people that I failed and have to keep thinking about it. Um, so maybe, maybe you get enough of that anyway, that you don't, you don't need a bunch of people knowing that you <laughs> failed to, to make you keep going. Yeah. But it, I just know how much it helped me. So I don't know. No, without knowing what your goal is, hard to, hard to yeah. really assess. But well, I'm so hearing what it is. <laughs> well, maybe you won't know. Maybe I won't tell you. No, yeah. no you'll, you'll, you, I'll tell you. Uh, I'll have to tell you because <laughs> I mean, uh, I, th- I think, I think the only you know, kind of in that same vein, uh, and not so much the disappointment or embarrassment, but um, something like this, talking about, you know, going back to your family and everything, uh, something like this will definitely be a sacrifice for the family um, because of the time commitment, both for training and also for the event. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, if anything, like halfway out there, if I quit, like I would just feel so guilty about having put my family through that. Mm. Yeah, and not well, that's succeeded. Good. Yeah, so I think yeah. I think that that's that was that work for me. Yeah. For my hundred, that was a huge, and that's with you know having the crew involved in a hundred. I didn't mm-hmm. realize that benefit, if you call it that, would come. It was like I, I remember feeling like going to bed the night before the hundred, feeling this strange. I almost felt guilty in advance, like like I can't believe all these people were doing all this stuff, drove all this way, and now I'm going to put them through this twenty four hours or thirty hours or twenty eight, whatever it ended up being. Uh, mm-hmm this this 22 or 30 hours whichever those exactly was i don't remember which, which, which one was. you know it's like 18 maybe maybe 21 or 48 i don't know i don't know somewhere around there no in at that moment i was thinking 24 hours or whatever it's gonna be uh-huh you know and i thought i just i just felt really bad almost it was strange and then that became like that that just put it out of my out of the question that that i would quit Right. So I this I don't know. As we're talking, I, there's a lot of power here, and maybe you don't even need to be that deliberate about it. Maybe some of it just happens, like you said. Uh-huh. It's, right. It's a yeah. big sacrifice to do this sort of thing. Uh-huh. Well, on that note, I think maybe we should wrap it up. Okay. Sounds good. I mean, but but I guess like what what are the conclusions here? I, <laughs> I think <laughs> there aren't I any think any. Uh, no. Of course, there's there's never is for this kind of idea. Mm-hmm. there's none I, I just i hope people hear this and and the right people will hear this and say you know what that, that's what i need to do i need to have that going and then they're going to go and do it correctly they're not just going to announce it one time they'll go and and you know really commit to something and build in accountability and all that mm-hmm. and other people will say i'm too old for that i'm just i'm, <laughs> I'm gonna do the i'm gonna get a miata instead when i'm is that, is that what the car you said was yeah yeah <laughs> 
<laughs> that was a, a friend of mine's dad got a Miata, and I just oh, thought yeah. that was so funny. Yeah. Might have got a Miata around that age. <laughs> then I was then, <laughs> then he was told it was a it was a female car. Who true? told you that? That he then was he told me that people like his friends kind of got on him and said that's a girl car. Oh, I don't know. I don't think that. I don't, I don't either. But that's that's what I heard. <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> you know, uh, I, I, this conversation actually kind of got me fired up to to burn some books. <laughs> good, good. That's, that's that's what we wanted, right? Not not to yeah. arrive at an answer whether it's right or wrong, but to mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel the same way. Like y- you miss that feeling. I I sure do. But mm-hmm. at the same time, I just haven't. I don't know. My life hasn't been in in that way. At least I mean, maybe in other people's eyes, I do things that would be. Uh, a little bit of that, but but to me, it's just not not compared to how it used to feel for sure. Mm-hmm. So I I miss it. Maybe I'll find something too, or maybe not. <laughs> maybe not. <laughs> or maybe I'll just keep playing FIFA. <laughs> yeah, in VR, in VR. <laughs> All maybe right, I'll burn the boats in FIFA. Make a big FIFA goal. Oh, All there right, you go. that's enough. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. Yes. We'll talk to you. Talk soon. to you next week. All right. Bye.